Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Aesthetic Insider Radio Show. This is your host, Angela Omaro. Today I have a great um, interview with Dr. Nima Shemirane, a double board certified facial plastic surgeon and founder of EOS, EOS Rejuvenation in Beverly Hills, California. Recently, Dr. Shemirani conducted a study on the use of Yelp for patient reviews in the aesthetic practice. His study has been presented at um, the American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery annual meeting, as well as at the recent AACD meeting in LA. This interview today will shine some light on Yelp reviews, how they work, what is the best approach um, for a physician if they are relying on Yelp to help increase patient consults. And so, Dr. Nemo, welcome to Aesthetic Insider. It's an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me, Angela. Absolutely. You know, let's let's just talk a little bit about you. Um, you're a, a board cert, double board certified facial plastic surgeon operating in one of the busiest cities in the world, um, Beverly Hills. Um, I'd love to just learn a bit more and let our, our audience um, learn a little bit more about you, Dr. Nemer, if you will. Sure, yeah, I'm a, I'm a dual board certified facial plastic surgeon. Uh, my training is within uh, ENT, and most of my specialty lies within the facial sculpting realm, including uh, rhinoplasty and fat transfer. Um, my training uh, started at the Medical College of Wisconsin in Milwaukee, and I went to New Jersey where I spent a year learning uh, specialized facial plastic surgery techniques, and I brought that knowledge here to Beverly Hills to start my own practice on my own. I, uh, our personal philosophy at EOS Rejuvenation is to kind of take care of the face as a whole, and we kind of liken it to sculpting a sculpture where we start off with skin care and preparing the skin like you would prepare the clay for a sculpture, followed by surgery, which is the bulk of the sculpting, and then maintaining those results uh, with little fine detail work, including uh, things like Botox and filler, just as you would do the finishing touches to a sculpture. So uh, I'm very excited to have that philosophy here and, and share it with my patients. Great, great. Well, let's just talk a little bit about, um, you know, you, you've been in practice for a number of years now, and and we, we there are, you know, various different types of reviews for physicians, aesthetic physicians, especially now on patient reviews. Um, what kind of got you interested in the whole arena of, of, of reviews for the practice? That's a great question. I, I came up with the idea for this research topic because, you know, after speaking to a lot of my colleagues and we go to meetings, there is a lot of kind of gripe and negative emotions associated with online reviews. Unfortunately, there weren't as many positive um, ideas about online reviews, um, even though most surgeons have mostly positive reviews. And I wanted to kind of examine why patients give uh, lower ratings to physicians and help arm ourselves with a little bit more knowledge so that we know how to take care of patients so that they have a great experience. Um, we even have frustrations because some patients will even write a review even, that it, even if they didn't undergo treatment with us or even if they had a bad phone call. And, um, you know, with this type of knowledge, we can help um, let physicians know how to treat patients a little bit better so that their online presence can be a little bit more positive and they can get more, more patients to come through their door. 
Now, I do want to clarify that you um, you did this kind of on your own as an undertaking to help physicians have a better understanding of the whole social world of, of reviews specifically, not because you have any financial interest in any social media services or companies. Am I correct? Yeah, not at all. It's just purely for educational purposes. Yeah. Now, you you know, you kind of mentioned how, you know, when a patient, sometimes a patient, you know, has not even been in for a consultation and perhaps they're making a review based on how the telephone was answered or, you know, or they haven't had a procedure with you but they have come in to the practice and their review might be, you know, based on um, how organized the waiting room is versus their actual interaction with you as a surgeon and an end result. Um, And it does appear that there's kind of a lot of what we call knee-jerk reaction from potential patients who go on to websites such as, you know, Real Self and Health Grades, Vitals, Doc Doc and Yelp, and, and there's all of these things available now. Do you think, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? How do you really feel about that whole world of social media and how it affects the practice? Yeah, that's, you know, again, it's a, a little point of contention, and <clears throat> when you're in a physician's shoes and you might get a negative review, you can have a negative outlook on a lot of these um, online review sites and social media um, networks you know but i would you know put yourself in your patient's shoes or even if you do your own research online i mean when i go to restaurants or if i go on trips i'll frequently go to reviews we read reviews on hotels we read reviews on restaurants on mechanics lawyers accountants and i think doing your online research before you know either going on vacation or picking a professional to work with helps save you a lot of time and energy Um, obviously we all have different personalities and you know, some people might not have the best bedside manner but have great results, and that's what a patient is looking for. And those online reviews, if you read through them, will help you kind of sort through that. So I think in the end it does save the patient's time, and, you know, it's not something that we can change. Um, for better or for worse, we have it here, and it's, I think it's only going to grow. Um, maybe, in fact, these online reviews might even be better than what had been previously there, you know, things like the Better Business Bureau or even the California Medical Board, um, which may not be able to address everybody's concerns and come out with an unbiased um, um, picture of, of a review. So um, I, re- I really actually like these reviews, and I would be hypocritical to say that um, these reviews are not good or these review sites are not good uh, for the patient in general. Well, let's talk about the study now. So, um, you know, I, you have presented this study, and I believe you're now um, in the process of writing a white paper um, to be published. Um can you give us details of kind of the study, how it started, you know, the, the, the length of time, and the results? Yeah, basically we, um, we took a look at, and I want to take a little snapshot of um, reviews and, and analyze them. So we had a, a medical, uh, actually a pre-medical student working with me on this, and we sat down and started doing a little bit of preliminary research, and we picked uh, five major cities in the United States, including New York, Los Angeles, Miami, San Francisco, and Chicago, and then picked practices with a certain number of reviews. We picked 20 so that we can get an overall um, kind of general overview of the practice so that it wasn't going to be skewed by one or two reviews and get an idea of you know why people gave the practice either a one- or a five-star review. Um, in doing that, we found that... Um, when people were giving five-star reviews, the most common thing that was uh, referred to was the doctor's bedside manner. And uh, secondly was 
you know, how knowledgeable the physician was, so how qualified they felt they were. And interestingly, results was third most important in getting a five-star review. And it's kind of interesting as plastic surgeons, we're so results-driven that we may forget that there's actually a, a person that we're dealing with and their needs need to be met as well. Um, and then, you know, again, to address kind of the fear and the angst amongst physicians, we looked at one-star reviews and why do people give one-star reviews? Um, I don't think it's um, okay to say that, you know, people who give one-star reviews are, you know, not sane or unreasonable. There are definitely a few people who can be, but the majority of them, I think, give one-star reviews for a reason. Um, and when we looked at those, we found that a poor bedside manner, maybe a doctor who felt like they didn't care about the patient or treat them like a person. Uh, oftentimes you see someone who may have not had um, an ideal result and felt abandoned by the doctor. Um, but a very close second was a feeling of dishonesty or pressure, either by the doctor or the salesperson who was selling them their their treatment. You know, people who came in maybe for a rhinoplasty and the doctor was also uh, pushing a, a chin implant to go with it even though they didn't come in for it, and then they feel a little more self-conscious about it. Um, or if they the doctor was <clears throat> recommending treatments that they the the consumer had read about online that may not be in, in their best interest. Um, uh, again, when um, looking at results, bad results was, was th uh, again, third most important um, in writing a, a poor review. So it kind of helped shed some light and, and give us a little bit more um, information on, on why people give these kinds of reviews. That's kind of interesting. Now, were you able to pinpoint at all, um, like did you have five, kind of five cities in which you you know you did the the studies and a series of practices was it overall you know that the bedside manner was was really important or were any of those cities um lacking more in bedside manner than another one yeah it's you know it's 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 tough to say it's kind of like the the chicken and the egg um so you know if you look at like more friendly cities versus maybe cities that have more harsh critics um, we found that uh, Chicago was the friendliest of all cities, that uh, those patients in general gave more positive comments rather than negative comments. Um, L.A. was uh, in the middle, and um, New York had kind of like the toughest critics. So it's tough to say, um, you know, what is it? is it? Is it the patient, is it the doctor, or the combination of both? Uh, I think if you've visited New York, you know, they're probably a little bit more straightforward and less kind of fluffy as they are in, in Los Angeles. So maybe those reviews are... Um, Maybe those are that's reflected in in those reviews. Yeah, yeah, and they are. I mean, they're all equally competitive markets. Um, but yeah, it perhaps it is more personality and style and culture of the people within those cities. Um, now, I do find it interesting that you say that the bedside manner appears to be kind of the number one in terms of whether or not you are going to get a five star review, and so. Are you? Um, do you now recommend to colleagues who, you know, when they've they've seen you present on the study, you know, methods of which they can improve within the practice to ensure getting a five-star review? Yeah. So you know, the the key I think is you know, there are certain things that we can change and certain certain things we can't change, and we shouldn't focus on things we can't change. You know, we can't change the psychology of our patient or who that person is, and you know, if they're a vindictive person, it's difficult to change that. But I think what we can change is how we react to those people. And, um, you know, so I wanted to focus on things that we can improve so that you can avoid getting one-star reviews and just stop blaming, you know, it's just the patient or it's just the situation. Um, when instead we try to find what we can 
take personal responsibility for and help avoid that in the future. So, yeah, so bedside manner is something that can easily be, be changed, you know, whether it's listening to the patient a little bit more, uh, addressing their concerns, or having a, an empathetic ear uh, to listen to them. In general, I think most people just um, want to feel like they matter, and if they feel like they don't matter, then they're, they might take to the Internet to kind of voice those concerns and even vent their frustrations because they couldn't do that to the doctor. Um, you know, they don't want to feel powerless either, and if they feel powerless, then it might cause them to react in a negative way. So, um, And that's what I, react, what I kind of relay to my colleagues. You know, you, you can't change people, but you can change the way that you treat them, and um, hopefully that will help minimize your negative reviews. Yeah, and I I agree with that, and I and I would think too. You know, I mean, there's been kind of such a a massive education of the public in general over the last you know couple of decades in terms of aesthetic procedures. Um, and I do understand from many physicians that you know when a patient comes in for a consultation, they most likely have a already done their research online, b already read Yelp reviews and any other you know real self or any of the other, you know, corresponding, you know, online platforms and have most likely consulted elsewhere. And so I think when you say, you know, when it comes down to you ultimately getting that, you know, signing that patient up as a, as a, as a real patient and doing surgery, um, as well as, you know, the review that you get after they have, have been into the practice, is it's quite critical how they're treated once they step foot through your door. Um, is there anything else you know that you can recommend in terms of staff um, overall practice performance you know that again will help a physician ultimately get a better review definitely i think I think there are at least two points um, one is never underestimate the power of your office staff um, number one you know the person who answers your phone I think is generally called a receptionist and may not and is in general probably the lowest paid uh, person in the office but they can you know it's just like any other chain you know the weakest link in the chain um, can break the chain basically so you know the the person who answers your phone has to be very well taken care of and honestly very well educated um, it might even be best to have someone who's college educated and um, pay them an according salary so that they feel that they can actually have a, a decent lifestyle. Um, those people have to be friendly. They have to be knowledgeable about the procedures. And um, and you just imagine all the work that you do in the sales funnel to get people to come uh, to your office, whether it's, you know, starting off with all the marketing that you do. And, you know, like you said, they do all this research and they finally call your office. And if they have someone who's rude, um, talking to them all over the phone, all that work that you did uh, and money you spent, is essentially wasted. So, you know, friendly voice is the is the first thing that uh, the patient hears and and will help set the tone uh, for the rest of their office visit. And that goes without saying the rest of the office as well. And everybody they meet, including your patient care coordinator or the person who quotes the patient, has to be um, friendly and uh, create a positive experience. So those things should not be uh, overlooked because uh, a rude office staff is also associated with uh, a one star review. Um, and that was actually second. Um, you know, again, above poor results, people rated that even worse. Um, and finally, I think uh, you know, when, when you do get a negative review, because they can come up and may and, uh, it's best to be prepared for it, uh, those negative reviews should be used as a, as a kind of a check and balance for the practice. You know, it can be discussed at a, at a team meeting and see where the ball was dropped. And I, I bet more often than not, um, 
there's something that could have been changed along the way, and it could be used as a teaching point to avoid that problem in the future. So it's just a positive feedback uh, cycle or maybe a negative feedback, but in general it should change your behavior uh, of the office staff so that you avoid that kind of problem in the future. I think that's a great point that you make, actually, because, I mean, you know, the whole, you know, let's face it, once, once uh, uh, you know, an aesthetic surgeon comes out of medical school, then they've got, you know, 30 years of the rest of their career, basically. Um, and over the course of that career, your reputation is, is obviously number one, and that is what is going to build the practice. And, and you know, with, the, like you said, at some point, there's always going to be a negative review, Um uh, and and I think the point here that I I really understood from you is, you know, you can't just take that negativity uh, personally and then blame the patients. Much as say, hey team, what happened here? How did we drop the ball? And what can we do to turn this around? Um, you know, making sure it doesn't happen again. Thereby not getting multiple negative reviews of the same nature. I think that's a really good point because I do think many many of us just get so wrapped up in how we feel about seeing that negative review versus what we can actually do to, to change it or prevent it from happening in the future. Definitely. And and if it's been a while since you've contacted the patient or, you know, I, I think there might be a point of argument about whether or not you should contact the patient to see if they will remove it, um, you know, I, I think it's worth it to reach out to the patient, not necessarily for the sole purpose of removing it, but just checking in to make sure that, you know, was there something that you missed or something that you might have forgotten, if, if there's anything that can be done to remedy the situation um, and make that patient feel better. And, and, you know, I've had that happen, too. I had a negative review, and I reached out to the patient, and they changed their one-star to a five-star review because at first they felt abandoned and they felt hurt and, um but, you know, you don't realize that sometimes. I hadn't seen the patient in, in a while. and um, But when I reached out to them and they came to the office, they felt taken care of again, and they and they changed the review. So you can really take a negative and turn it to a positive and, and really even change that person's, you know, psychological outlook on, on other physicians that, you know, physicians do care about you. And, um, and I think you end up doing a little bit of good as well. So... Not all negative reviews are completely negative. I think there's a lot of learning lessons and uh, opportunities to to change for the better. Now, let me ask you because you know, in reality, we're you know we're all running busy practices, and there's always, you know, not every day does the schedule stay on time. I mean, you could have had a morning in surgery that, you know, some complication came up, which has kind of set you back 30, 45 minutes in the day. Your afternoon consults begin to run later than planned and you know things happen life happens and sometimes somebody might walk away and their impression is you know i didn't get seen too promptly you know the staff was chaotic and my consult was cut short you know and on and on um and then you say you know it's the bedside manner and being warm and caring to the patient that appears to be most important to them. Um, again, is there any other things that you can describe in a bit more detail on just, you know, how do we get five-star reviews consistently? Any other tips for our listeners? Yeah, I believe just, you know, treating the patient with respect. And again, it just all goes back to put yourself in the patient's shoes. 
Um, just like my uncle told me a long time ago in business negotiations, you just put yourself in the other person's shoes to see what's important to them. <clears throat> I think we've all been to appointments that have been running late and, um, you know, looking at my own experiences, I get frustrated when I'm not given updates and don't know what to expect and just not given enough information or, you know, when the doctor or accountant or whoever finally sees me, they almost kind of rush rush me uh, or don't apologize for being late or don't acknowledge that they're running late. And I think, you know, you think of your own negative experiences, what could have been better, and then you just provide that for the patient. Um, keeping them entertained or, you know, you know, well-fed, you give them a snack or even just a coffee or sometimes you have like a Starbucks gift card. You can, you know, the doctor's going to be like 30 minutes late. Why don't you just go get a cup of coffee, come back, uh, go for a walk and, um, you know, I think those little things improve the patient experience and make them feel like their time matters and that you're not just giving them lip service that, you know, you're sorry for running late. You're kind of showing it a little bit more that uh, you take care of them. And I think that that experience is really um, a positive one and I think will mm, help them forget that you're running late and then they can focus on what they actually came to see you for and they're not as irate with you. That's great. Now, the study that you, you, know, um, you have, is this yet available for other physicians to be able to look at? Are you presenting any time in the near future on the study? Not yet. I'm just doing the finishing touches on the paper. I'm going to submit it. It's, uh, um, I, I love the results of research. It's, uh, it's a little tough for me to finish it, which like, we all have projects to finish, but uh, it's on its way hopefully soon, and hopefully we'll be in a journal at some point in the near future. That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And so overall, I mean, do you feel with uh, – because now there's, there's, you know, there's various review sites. Is there any kind of a recommendation to physicians as to which review sites they should pay the most attention to um, in terms of monitoring, is there any that they should get involved with? Um, that, you know, how do you feel about that? Well, I would uh, I would start with just googling your own name and seeing which review sites come up, and I think that's a good place to start. Um, and I, you know, I think people turn to the internet first, so uh, put yourself in the shoes of the patient. So, you know, either googling your specialty the procedure that you do or your name and seeing which review sites come up. Um, in this day of kind of search engine optimization and search engine marketing um, and the rules changing, you, you actually find that the larger websites such as Yelp and Real Self come up a lot more often on the first page of Google rather than individual patient practices. So just making sure, you know, if, if Real Self and Yelp come up more often than Health Grades and Vitals, then you want to focus more on, on those um, because that's what people are going to see more of. And it's just about prioritizing, I believe. Yeah. Um, in well, that's it. There is so much. And I, and, I, and I do agree with you. Like you said, if you kind of Google your own name, I mean, especially for an aesthetic practice, it's the Yelp that comes up and um, real self. And, and so I do think those are two that really do need, you know, continuous monitoring. And, um, and, I, and I think with real self, it is interaction on the part of the practice to um, kind of be involved with, with that particular service. Definitely. And that's even shown in the data where um, there's a website called Software Advice where they do data online, and they did studies in 2013 and 2014, and um, they found that the number of people researching their physician increased from about 25% in 2013 to 
uh, it almost doubled to 42% in 2014. Um, and they found that Yelp was the most trusted site over even vitals and health grades. Um, they didn't have real self in their study, but it just goes to show you how, you know, how people do pay attention to Yelp, and it's not something that should be underestimated. Yeah, and it won't. It's not going away. I mean, I think you know, it's, that is one thing. Is you know, like a dislike Yelp, it does seem to be. You know, it's it's like a household name now. You know, and it is something that people believe what they see and they believe the ratings and they believe what they read. Um, and so I do think for physicians, you know, is you can't get away from it at this point. All you can do is monitor it and make sure that it's accurate in the reporting. Exactly. I think now we're moving to through uh, an age of transparency, and you know it's reflected in when a, a doctor or a salesperson is dishonest, and um, or if you lie or you know try to manipulate things. Uh, I think social media has become a check on that. Um, and in general, obviously, it's not 100%, but I think it's it's fairly reliable in exposing um, practices and even people if they're being false and, and uh, dishonest. And, and that's actually, in the end, it's a good thing. You know, patients should not be misled, they should not be pressured, and they should be respected, um, just as you would want if you went to a doctor or your family member goes to a doctor. You don't want that doctor to push unnecessary procedures uh, or be dishonest with them. And, uh, yeah. and I think, in the end, it's a good thing for everybody. Yeah, and I think it is, too. And, and I, I mean, I, you know, will say, I mean, for me personally, I, you know, I've been in this business, you know, the aesthetic industry for quite some time. And I don't think I've ever actually met what I would call a dishonest doctor. Um, but, but I do think that there's pressure on practices to compete and succeed. There's pressure on staffing um, to be competitive in keeping the surgery schedule busy, um, I do agree with you on, you know, like the whole thing about the receptionist being the least educated and the least paid person in the practice. I mean, that's a big thing for me in my consulting with physicians. Um, you know, it's in, and, and I think that goes all the way through to the salesperson or the patient cons- consultation person, you know, is, again, I don't know if it's dishonesty so much as they are just trying to sell a procedure and, um sometimes maybe pushing patients for things that they're not yet ready for. Um, so I, I do think, you know, like you said, in this age of transparency, which is a great way of phrasing it, is it's really in understanding your staff and how they're communicating with the patients and then realizing that at the end of the day, it can appear on Yelp that that person was pushy, um, you know, they were trying to push them into procedures that they'd never even realized they or felt they needed. Um, yeah, I think that there is quite a lot that goes into it And at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so Dr. Nima, um, for physicians, like you said, who are interested, the study is, of course, you have presented it, you know, at, at multiple locations, I'm sure, You'll be giving more presentations on it in the near future and doing the white paper. Um, if any of our listeners were interested in, in having a chat with you about this, um, is there a, a place they can reach you, your website, your telephone number? What is the yeah, best definitely way to reach you? They can reach me through my website, uh, even send an inquiry through the website, and I'd be happy to respond back to them. Okay, great, great. Well, thank you so much. I think, you know, is there one last tip here for for doctors to get that five-star review, one last thing that perhaps we haven't mentioned yet? 
Well, uh, I do listen to some hip-hop music, and Jay-Z has a line where he says, you want to treat your first like your last and your last like your first. And I think it's important that you treat you know, each patient as if they were your first consult that you had, and you think back to how well you treated that patient, how much you followed up with them, and um, just keep that in mind. And I think that keeps you hum- humble and respectful. And in the end, um, that's really what a good doctor is, and uh, hopefully that will beget more and more patients. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nima, for being on the show today. And um, I look forward to seeing the publication of the study when it's uh, ready for, for us to view. All right. Thank you very much, Angela. Have a great day. Great. You too. Thanks for being on the show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.